Welcome to the post-game show on the podcast. Doug Maurice and Bill Landis from Michigan Stadium, where Michigan just defeated Ohio State 30-24 to in the 119th version of the game. We are going to talk all about what unfolded on the field. You might be able to see behind us there are still Michigan fans filling the field in Michigan Stadium. Uh, there's a lot of history that we want to talk about here, but there's a lot of football we want to talk about here, Bill. And we'll start at the end with the final drive for the Buckeyes. As they are making their way down the field, it's not dissimilar to the Notre Dame game. Yep. In the Notre Dame game, Ohio State takes over at the 35-yard line with 126 left. In this situation, they're taking over at the 19-yard line with one minute left. Against Notre Dame, Ohio State had one timeout. In this situation, they had no timeouts. So this was more difficult, certainly was more difficult. But knowing that Ohio State, against a very good team and a good defense, had pulled off a game-winning two-minute drive, it, it didn't feel impossible that Ohio State might do that again here today. No, and then some things happen on that drive, right? The, the pass to Julian Fleming that kind of looks like an incompletion is a fumble that gets recovered by Johnny on the spot at Mecca Ibuka. Like, that's a br- kind of break you need when you're trying to orchestrate a drive like that. And even at the end, like the, the throw to Marvin, Marvin was open. Um, I think they got the look they wanted there. Kyle McCord kind of got hit as the ball came out of his hands and, and the ball ends up going a, a little wonky. So, but I maybe it was a touch late, but I, but I think it was the right read and Marvin was, was certainly open on the play. So um, they operated comfortably again in that situation, but they, they couldn't finish it off this time. They're managing that pretty well at the end, right? I mean, I do think off the bat, the kickoff, they don't fair catch it and they wind up taking five seconds off the clock with the return, and they wind up at the 19 instead of the 25. So they lose five seconds and six yards by not fair catching it. But first pass to Cade Stover winds up being incomplete. It's a short check down. They're better off that it's incomplete. But then you've got to get chunk plays. And they get a 22-yarder to Marvin Harrison Jr., which, again, if you're a Michigan fan, you're saying to yourself, how is Marvin Harrison Jr. able to make a play like that on the sideline for 22 yards? And then the pass to Julian Fleming, it feels like in that moment, we thought maybe it was going to be ruled incomplete when they went to review. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I thought so. It was – he took the steps. With, I felt like the ball was moving before the defender knocked the ball ultimately out of his hands. There were a few kind of puzzling decisions by this officiating crew in this game, stuff that, that went both ways. Certainly the touchdown early for Michigan that was double possession slash strip fumble. I, I don't really know what that was, but there were a few – they like had the review a very clear completion to Julian Fleming on the sideline. Um, it, was, it was a little strange. Um, but yeah, I, I thought I thought that that was going to be a bad break for Ohio State that maybe kind of sucked the air of the last gasp effort, but it actually ended up being the opposite. It gave them more life, and they were you know an inch away from kind of hitting a, a chunk play there to Marvin, and it got away from them. So that like in the moment, once the the ruling is upheld, and I th- I think it could have gone either way. I don't think it would have been a terrible ruling by the officials whether they would have ruled that incomplete or they kept it as a catch, and again that Ohio State managed to recover it. At that point, do you think Ohio State's going to win? After the play is reviewed? After the play is reviewed and they're taking over? Yes. That, I, and they're I snapping thought, that next play. I thought they were going to finish that drive. There was a, there were enough guys getting into open space that I thought Ohio State was going to finish that drive. Yeah, They're getting chunk plays in that moment. And then again, as you see the play develop, it, again, it's Marvin Harrison Jr. How can this be happening? That The best player on the field. We. Ohio State needed to let their best player 
win the game for them today. Yep. And you get in a situation where late in the first half, they hit a 44-yard deep shot to Marvin Harrison Jr. that feels like in the moment, is this going to be a moment where Marvin Harrison Jr. can win the game for Ohio State? Turns out, no, they don't score on that drive. Then late, they, they take the ball over with down two scores, needing two scores with 12 minutes left in the game. It's like, okay, well, this is not going to be easy. And they get a touchdown drive that finishes – with one of their best red zone plays, which is a crossing route to Marvin Harrison Jr., and you think, okay, like that was a situation. They had to cash that in to kick a field goal there. Would have kept them alive, but would have killed the momentum, right? Okay, that's a situation. And then on that last drive, you could see Marvin getting free a little bit, and I think in the moment, and I'm sure the people watching this and and listening to this, as you saw that develop, you saw Marvin – He's, he's got position on the defender, right? He's open in the middle of the field. That's going to take it down to what? Maybe the 15-yard so. yeah. line? Maybe you spike it, and now maybe you've got two or three plays to try to get it in the end zone. I think you, you'd take that situation if you're Ohio State. Yeah, it was uh, it was intercepted at the 22. So, like, right on, right on the cusp of the red zone. Again, like, you know, you got to finish drives there. It's hard. They have no timeouts, right? The the to get it down to the one and try to run it in chip train style is probably not available to you. So you're throwing the whole way there more, more likely than not. But yeah, that was, you get on the 22, there's still plenty of time left for you to try to throw the ball in the end zone four times. Um, and I don't know if you could see a live on, on the, as it happened on television, but our, from our vantage point in the press box, like Marvin was definitely open and Kyle saw it again, maybe, a, maybe a tick late, but I think it was more the pressure and the hit that, that ruined that play than anything else. Like it wasn't, you watch Kyle's arm and like he didn't get to really fully get into the throw when it kind of came out sideways on him. So like that's going to be a, a difficult that scared me. situation. Yeah. So we're <gasps> moderately waiting to get kicked out of here, but we're going to yeah. do our very best and go for as long as we can. If we get kicked out, we'll go somewhere else. We'll do, we'll continue the show from there. Um, Kyle McCord comes off the field after that pick his heads down. Um, no one really saying much to him. CJ Hicks actually like runs over and starts talking to him and pats him on the head, Cade Stover, G. Scott. But uh, that is difficult. It's not a straight out, I can't believe he threw that pick because there was pressure and he was affected by it. There is going to be some, if he's a half beat earlier, was it there? Um, But it's not exactly like just having a wide open dude and throwing it into a defender's chest. I mean, he had some errant throws right earlier in the game where the guy, guys were open and he just flat out missed them. And then uh, obviously a poor decision on the earlier interception um, that got him into the end zone or got Michigan in short field and then ultimately into the end zone. But this, I don't think this was either of those. This was right read, open guy, throw gets off target because he got hit. So Ryan Day is doing his post-game news conference right now. We are not able to bring it to you live. We hope to bring you... Some of it, if it's worth it, if we can, a little bit later, it doesn't seem like he's making any big speeches about the history of the rivalry or anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he had some in the chamber had this game gone, yeah. gone a different way. That has to be, I think, without a doubt, the most deflating loss of his his coaching tenure here, right? The, and, the build up to it and then the way that it kind of transpired on him. And, and we'll get into his decision making in this too. Like, I think he... And not put the team in the best position to win. So we, if if we were there, we don't know what's happening. If he's being pressed on the decision making at the end of the first half, where they have a chance uh, after Cade Stover makes a third down catch and is short of the sticks to call a timeout right away, somewhere between thirty five and forty seconds left in the half, and instead they let the clock run down and try a fifty two yard field goal with three seconds left. 
on for a, a program that doesn't make 50-yard field goals. I don't right. think anybody needs to be reminded of that. Like that decision-making in the moment is going to be talked about forever in the history of this rivalry in a game where it comes down to it's a six-point game. If they're if they kick that, if they or if they make that field goal, if they go for it on fourth down, get a little bit closer, get a more makeable field goal, they're potentially driving for a field goal to tie it at the end instead of needing a touchdown to win it. So I don't I don't want to get in all the specifics of that right now because I want to talk about more about why Ohio State lost this game and how fans are going to react to this over the next several months because I do think the losses 21, 22, 23 are different. It's not as much as like Michigan is Michigan and this version of Michigan, they run the ball, they play good defense, right? Like that Michigan is the same, I think. But I think the way Ohio State performed and lost in the three games to me is is very different. Yeah, I think that's right. Like if the 21 was like a physicality thing, they kind of got pushed around. When they came up here, um, 22, I think, was like intangibles, right? Like not maybe not handling the moment as well as, as Michigan did. And obviously, you know, all the pressure was on Ohio State to come back home and, and hold serve and, and not let it turn into a losing streak in the rivalry. This, I said to you in the press box, like I, I felt like this had elements of both of those at, at times. I don't know. Like what, what would you say was like if you had to pinpoint one thing that was a difference in this game, what would it be? I thought they got outcoached. Okay. Yeah. And, and I would agree. That's been the shorthand for me. 21 is football. Aiden Hutchinson, great run blocking, right? That actually, I think Michigan just was a better football team that day. If you want to throw in, maybe some Ohio State guys had the flu. It's snowing. Like it just felt like Michigan's day. 22, Ohio State doesn't play its best game. They give up explosives. And then I thought today was a combination of Michigan went and took it because Ohio State did not give up. Didn't, I don't think Ohio State defensively like gave anything up. They made Michigan earn it, and then a couple times J.J. McCarthy did go out and earn some things, right? Yeah, he, he made some, at least from our vantage point up here, like a couple of throws that I thought were kind of risky. I think all, almost all of them worked, right? Um, the touchdown pass that he threw that was kind of between two defenders, the ball he threw across his body like on the, was on the seven-minute drive, right? Yep. He, converted a, he was like scrambling the one, I think the one time they threw a pass. He threw across his body into the middle of the field, which is like a crazy thing to do in that situation, but it worked. And Cornelius Johnson made a great catch. So he was helped out by his receivers stepping up too. But yeah, he had a couple of key scrambles. Um, I don't really, I don't think he did any design run in this game, right? But but he did make, right. he made a handful of plays when, when Michigan needed him to. And I think when Ohio State challenged him to, he kind of rose to that occasion. So so I don't know that, that the J.J. McCarthy, the throws he made today, particularly the one uh, to Roman Wilson, where he squeezes it around Denzel Burke, I'm sure, in the history books, there may be some controversy about was that a catch? Was it an interception? I know Joel Klatt in the broadcast thought that should not have been a touchdown yeah. for Michigan. That's obviously a huge moment in the game, but that's like a, a, a throw that he is squeezing in between between coverage. It's not Ohio State guys missing tackles. It's not Ohio State guys blowing coverage and, and Michigan guys running free. The thing that I was saying during the game is if you took the uniforms off both these teams – and just watched Ohio State play, the way they played, the plays they called, the aggression they showed with how they went after things, would you know it was the Michigan game? Because I think, and maybe it's just a, a running back pass, Harbaugh has a play 
Harbaugh, and it's and it's not just the running back pass. It's the quarterback run pack package that they brought in for two plays. But by the way, the first one went for 20 yards. Yeah, and the second one I think still gained a little bit, yeah. The, the Michigan didn't just do what they do all the time. And I think in the game, there's I think there's a, a, something implanted in the history of the game and in the minds of fans that when you get to your rivalry, you've got to do something more. Ted Ginn Jr. lined up as a tight end. You've got to do something more. Now, Ohio State ran a, a nice action on third and eight in the red zone where they motioned Travion Henderson out. They motioned Xavier Johnson in. They hand the ball to Xavier Johnson for a nine-yard gain on third and eight. That is a really nice play. But I don't, that's not like a trick play exactly, right? And but even it's last, something, It's something they had not shown before. It's something yeah. like maybe they were saving it for this game. So I, don't, I, I guess I don't want to say they did nothing. But Michigan does more. Right? Even last year, Ohio State tried to run a fake field goal and they couldn't get it communicated. It, it feels like Michigan brings more extra stuff mm-hmm. to this last Saturday in November now in a way that I think in the Trestle era, uh, I think people felt like that's what Trestle did. And so it, and it's, it's, not, it's not all about trick plays, but when you talk about that they didn't really do something like that, they had a fourth and one near midfield where they punted. And then the way they played the end of the first half, you're, Ohio State's the underdog. Yeah. I, like, where is there – did they? Did you feel like Ohio State was pushing the envelope no, today? Not – a little bit later in the second half when they had no other choice, right? Yeah. When they got down by a couple scores, they started throwing around. And, and they're more discerning football minds might say, like, they did this, this, and this different formationally when they were throwing the ball. Like, certainly that, that stuff is on the table. But I think people know what we're talking about, right? It's like you have – you have a couple plays in your pocket that you've saved specifically for this game that you've not shown at any point. You showed one, and then two, like to, to not use it when it's fourth and two or whatever it was at the end yeah. of the first half. Like that's the time to bring that stuff out. It wasn't. It wasn't merely that Michigan had them, which is good. Like you need to have them. It's when they did them, right? They they come out at the start of the second half when it's uh, was a fourteen ten at halftime, right? Um, yeah. After Ohio State misses the field goal, and it's like. It's a little flat. You're trying to get the energy back in the building. Boom, you put that quarterback run package out there with your backup that I was asking somebody sitting next to me in a press box, like, have they done this before? And he said, no. He said, Harbaugh's talked about it all the time. We have this package for this guy, for their backup quarterback. Um, I want to make sure I say his name right. Uh, OG? Orgy. Alex Orgy. Um, I said, have they done this before? And he said, no, but Harbaugh talks about it all the time. And they're like, this is when they finally show it. And then the double pass was the first play of the fourth quarter coming out of a TV timeout. When it's like a little flat, maybe you catch Ohio State. Um, on its heels a little bit. And it's just like, I'm, I'm, I guess Ryan Day has never had anything like that in this game, so maybe we shouldn't be surprised that he didn't. Um, but it is a little shocking to not have a little extra something for your rival. So I think here's the difference, though. When you believe that you are the better team and you have the greater talent, I think you then approach it like, we're better. If we do what we do, we'll win. And I think... I don't know, at least since I've been covering this thing, it feels like Ohio State always has the better talent, right? Like that that idea of Ohio State just recruits at a higher level, especially at the skill positions. They have more explosive guys. Like that will happen. The big explosive play will happen. You don't have to make it happen. But I think some of that attitude comes from we're better. We're Ohio State, we're better. I think in a world where Ohio State has – Lost to Michigan two years in a row, has not been in the Big Ten championship game, is the underdog in this game. Michigan has 
looked like a machine for much of the year. I don't think that's how Ohio State should have been thinking today. No. I don't think Ohio State should have been coming in and thinking, we're better if we do what we do, we'll win. Right. I think that ship has sailed. And I think actually, in some ways, that should be, could be freeing. The burden is lifted. It's not just like, well, everybody expects Ohio State to win. But then when you when the burden lifts, then you've got to grab something and say, we're going to bring this to the game now because we need something extra. And I just in a, I just didn't feel that. I, I don't yeah. think anybody felt that. And in a world where, and now let's get specific about the end of the first half. Uh, Mike Rostowski, our producer, is here. He came with us live to a game for the first time. He was down at the Ryan Day news conference. He said he has Ryan Day and Kyle McCord. He's coming back up here, and we're going to attempt, if we can, to get that to you guys in this show. So we don't know how hard Day was pushed on that. I think we were surprised in the moment that they let the clock tick down like that. And now it's like one of those things. If Ohio State comes out and scores touchdowns on every possession of the second half, like it doesn't matter. Right. But it almost felt like the way Ryan Day played that, like that's what he expected. And it's like, okay, well, A, you have a first-year starting quarterback who's not C.J. Stroud, and B, like Michigan's pretty good. I don't know that that's how you should be thinking. You should be going harder after points at the end of the first half when you're down against a team this good in a situation like this. I, I, I mean, I agree 100%. I, I, and I think that speaks to something that I've thought about Ryan Day, and it's been really enforced me in the last year. I don't think he has a great feel for the game. Um, and maybe that is because he's doing a million jobs as the head coach and the offensive play caller. But I thought that was maybe one of the best slash worst examples, best because I'm, I'm trying to prove my point, and worst because um, it did Ohio State a disservice. But, like, the whole sequence, it wasn't, it wasn't just playing for the 52-yard field goal. You make an incredible stop on third down. You sack J.J. McCarthy for maybe the only time today, and then you get the ball. You're still backed up, right? You're probably content to run it a few times and hope that you run off enough clock for Michigan to, to just kind of take a knee on it if they get the ball back. But then you hit this crazy 46-yard pass to Marvin Harrison Jr. where Kyle McCord gets pressured. He steps up in the pocket, makes maybe the best play he's made all season yep. in the biggest game of the year, and suddenly you're in scoring position, and then that's what you do after that. Like, your players made splash play, splash play. Now give us the good stuff so we can go in and score a touchdown to end this half the right way, and you don't give it to them. And then it ends with you playing for a, a field goal you have no shot at me. I know he like he made – he made the practice kick, right? So I can't say he did, had no shot at making. He did. Oh, what he made the practice kick? They called it. They burned a timeout. Michigan did, and he kicked it, and it was good. And he kicked it the second time, and he missed. Um, but I like I, why fifty-two yard field goal. Let's let's go for that. I think should never be part of the calculus in this game. I don't know why it was. For his, his his career long was forty-seven. He had never kicked a, a field goal that long before. No. Um, they wind up so they complete the pass to Marvin Harrison Jr. And, and by the way, it takes a nice catch on the sideline by Julian Fleming on third and yes. seven wow. and a nice escape by Kyle McCord to set up the Marvin pass. And after the 44-yard completion of Marvin Harrison, they try a check down to Chip Trainum that Kyle's it's too hot, Chip's not ready, it's incomplete. Then they throw a swing pass to Trevion Henderson that he gets crushed Walloped. on. And then they throw a seven-yard pass to Cade Stover, again, that's short of the sticks. And as you were saying, so again, I think – we have a long time to discuss this. We discussed every aspect of this a year ago at this time. What Ryan Day's plate, 
what he is responsible for and what he is asked to do. As you said, so on third and, and third and nine in that situation, when they wind up throwing a pass to Cade that's short of the sticks, you should, I we think, like have it in your head beforehand. Okay, if it's fourth and two or less, we're going to go for it. And if it's fourth and one, we're going to sneak it right away. Or if it's fourth and four, whatever. But when you're the head coach and the play caller, you've got to think of like what we're going to do, when we're going to call the timeout, and then what the play is going to be. And that's a lot on your plate, which brings us all the way back to the discussion that started a year ago at this time, which is should Brian Hartline or someone else be calling the plays for Ryan Day? So like that moment in that situation I just feel like if Urban Meyer, and it's not really discussion about Urban, it's more discussion about a head coach who's not burdened with play calling. I think Urban in that situation, as soon as Cade's tackled short, I think Urban said Urban calls timeout and then says, we're going to talk about this. Yeah. And then in the timeout, we're going to decide, are we going for it or are we kicking the field goal? And if we're going for it, hey, offensive coordinator, what's the play? Right. Right. Give me two or three plays. Okay, we're going to do this. And, in, and instead, like in the moment, I just, I can't believe, because if you call the timeout right away, like the worst thing that happens is Michigan's going to, if you miss the field goal or you go for it on fourth down and don't get it, Michigan's going to take over with like 30 seconds left at whatever, the, the 30 or 35 yeah, yard. They would have just taken it in, I think, or ran it and see what happened. Like, the, like that's the worst that could have happened. But if you do something other than what you do, you either kick the field goal that you kicked anyway, so it's the same, or maybe you think of you give yourself a chance on fourth down because maybe you realize in that moment, Jaden Fielding's not making this, man. They have to stop kicking field goals of 50 yards or longer if their kickers aren't better. Michigan dudes drill 50-yarders. Ohio State kickers, evidence shown the past two seasons, do not. This is not a 50-yard field goal team. So they must stop playing for 50-yard field goals. But at least when Ohio State did it against Georgia, they didn't have Trevion Henderson. They didn't have Mayan Williams. They didn't have Marvin Harrison Jr. They didn't have Ken Stover. Right. They had everybody they wanted. They got healthy for this game. They got to a fourth and two in the final 30 seconds, losing to Michigan before the half with everybody they could want. And they let the clock tick down to put it on the foot of Jaden Fielding. And I, I just don't think... It's defensible. I don't like. Can you? Can he present a rationale? Can he pull you aside, Landis? Come in my office and present a rationale. You think that you'd be like, okay, I get it. No. Well, I, I, I could, I can't fathom what that would be. Um, and I just, I keep, I keep going back. Like, how do you, you call a play on third down that at least has a route. Short of the sticks, right? Yeah. Maybe there's other stuff there that you hope to get, but you know there is an there is at least a possibility and a very real one that you're going to end up short of the sticks on third down, which is totally fine. I don't I don't think it's in, I don't I don't mind calling a play that doesn't get you a first down if you know you're going for it on fourth down. Right. How you do not have that decision already made up in your mind, or maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe which is even worse, I guess. If he and no one is mind like we're playing for the field goal all the way, I, I hope that wasn't the case. But um, yeah, I think a guy who is not burdened with the task of calling the plays can get on the headset and say, Hey, OC, what are you doing on third down? And what do you, what are we doing on fourth down? So I know immediately, or whether or not we need to burn a timeout, like what's the situation with your, where you're comfortable going immediately? What's the situation where you want to call a timeout and talk about it? 
and then put us in the best play to get that first down and maybe try to get a touchdown or at the very least a more manageable field goal. Like it's to me, it's like simple game management that a head coach who's in his fifth year of doing this should have a better handle on, and he doesn't. Why do you think? Why do they think they can make a fifty-yard field goal? Fifty-two. What he, does, he, has a, he has a big leg. Jaden Fielding has a big leg like that. And I, I think they're probably comfortable with him like the 55. If I had to guess, like that's what he makes in practice. Ryan Day has remarked a couple times this year that Jaden Fielding has hit 50 plus yard field goals in practice. Well, I guess Ohio State kickers make stuff in practice. They just don't make it with games on the line. Or they make it when the play doesn't count. I don't know, man. Like, so we can continue a little bit of a special teams conversation here because I, I had my my binoculars on Parker Fleming every time a special teams thing happened because I was kind of waiting for a special teams thing to go completely haywire and I wanted to see how the special teams coach reacted in the moment. Or if there was a miscommunication, I wanted to be able to say, okay, my eyeballs are on him because we asked him, hey, who's in charge of the communication? He said, it's me. And to see like, okay, what happened when this went wrong? So nothing went like disastrously wrong but they lost the field position battle yeah. much of the day because Michigan punted it better than Ohio State did. And in a game like this, that matters. So it ended up being that Michigan's starting average field position, according to the game on paper, was its own 30 and Ohio State's its own 23. I think Ohio State ended up only being backed up once, right? But I, I think the, the, the early sequence, right, when he decided to, to punt on fourth and one from around midfield, you have to flip the field there, and it ended up being a like a thirty-one like yard a, punt, right? Right, or a twenty-something yard punt, like yeah, to the twenty-one, I think. Yeah. Right, when you're punting from mid, like from the forty-six, yeah, fourth and one from the forty-six, it was a thirty-three yard punt to the Michigan twenty-one. Like you're doing that because you're hoping to pin them deep inside their own five and see what happens. And then Michigan gets to the twenty-nine and then punts from the twenty-nine and punts it in the end zone. The guy got kicked a seventy-one yard punt. punt. Yeah. So, but Ohio State in that situation goes from the 46 to the 20. So they decide not to go for it on fourth and one from the 46, their own 46, 46, right? And they wind up in the exchange losing 26 yards of field position. Yeah. When if you're ideally doing that, you're thinking to yourself, okay, we're at the 46, we'll punt them inside the 10, we'll stop them, and we'll get the ball right back where we are. So, like, you're not so you're not going to be aggressive there because you're going to rely on the special teams. But this is not a special teams group that has been special. This isn't Iowa. This isn't a, a field position game where we're going to flip the field and gain ten and fifteen yards in little chunks and finally set ourselves up to score. Right. That's not what this team has been. So, beyond the mistakes of special teams, like that's just not what this team has been. So that has to factor into your aggression. Or lack of aggression then, because why would you believe at a place where Michigan had their punter and kicker drafted last year and then replaced them, and they kicked a 50-yarder? Michigan kicked a 50-yard field goal today, right? Yes. Drilled it. I don't know if he kicked the practice kick or not, but when the one mattered, he drilled it. That should factor into it. And this is not – it has – Ohio State at times has been a program that has won with special teams. It is not that program right now, which should, I think, lead you – to be more aggressive at the end of the first half, more aggressive considering whether you go for it or not on fourth and one at your own 46. Why you would ever put a moment in the hands of the special teams with the way that it's played over the last two years boggles my mind. Like, I, it, I, I'm with you. Like, it's not – programs are built that way. Ohio State's not one of them. Ohio State doesn't prioritize special teams enough to be one of those or else they wouldn't have Parker Fleming still coordinating their special teams. So that was, that was a puzzling decision. But there were others, right, the fair catch at the end of the game before the two-minute drive? I just don't know why you're why you don't. It's and again, I don't. It's this is lack of a fair catch. I should say this is a team full of four four athletes, full of dynamically explosive players. 
And nothing against Xavier Johnson, but their kick returner in that situation is a six-year former walk-on, who is a tremendous football player. But on the list of explosive athletes for Ohio State, it might have a chance to pop something. I don't think he's particularly high on the list. That in that situation, you don't tell him, fair catch it no matter what. We're saving the clock. We don't think you're going to pop it out to midfield. So, I mean, it's just – it's little things. And as we've had these special teams discussions, there's the huge mistakes – but then there's the, also the little things, the little five-yard chunks here and there that can add up. They got a penalty on a, on a special teams play that cost the them five yards. formation. Of course yeah. they did. Yeah. So, um, but, but the worst error there is in any way attempting to rely on that. Let's continue the conversation with Ryan Day. How are, are people in? They're hanging out? Yeah, we got them. Yeah, hanging out. People in here. How do you think this offseason for Ryan Day and this program – will compare to last year's offseason. And I think I have to ask a dual question here. They're alive for the playoff. They're alive for the playoff, right? I mean, they're going to need some things to happen. Um, I don't want to go super deep on the playoff discussion right now. We can get to that maybe at the end of the show because that does matter. It's not impossible. It is not impossible. But let's not assume. I, I certainly wouldn't say it's likely. Let's not assume they're in as a four seed. Being the four seed and getting in last year, which they got in with a bunch of help, certainly changed the perception of the offseason because they went and played a really good game against Georgia. It was hot after the Michigan loss last year. It was. It was. I thought it, I thought it broke the fan base from the program in some ways, which is what happens sometimes when you lose. That's not a knock in the fan base. It's not a knock in the program. It's, it's harder to stick together through the tough times, especially when the times have been so good for this fan base for so long. How do you think this coming week will compare to a year ago after the Michigan loss? Will it be, like, for a lack of a better word, worse, mm. the same, not quite as bad? What do you think? Worse. Um, I, th- I think somewhat significantly worse, right? Because there's not – they needed, like, one thing to happen. There was still a little bit of hope they could cling to coming out of, the, coming out of this game last year for them to still make the playoff. And, like, it was hard for them – to, to do that and, and truly bounce back. But but they did, like, remember talking, like, you know, Wednesday we got together, we felt pretty good. We knew that if USC lost, we had a really good chance of getting in. Like, these dynamics don't really exist for them. At least we'll see what happens the rest of Saturday. So you don't have that to fall back on. And now you have, obviously you didn't know this at the time, but leading up to this, in the back of your mind, you probably thought to yourself, like, we lost this game the last two years because they cheated to beat us. Yep. And now that's not part of this thing. You lost anyway. So, like, that, that compounds it. You know, exponentially going going into this week, whatever this week looks like for them from a practice standpoint, I don't I don't really know yet. Um, so I, I think it's much much worse. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think it's significantly worse. And last year was bad. Last year was terrible. Yeah. Um, I felt like there were five Ohio State Michigan games being played at once today hmm. because I felt like twenty one and twenty two were being relitigated by the outcome of this game. And then I think 24 and 25 are greatly affected by the outcome of this game. Because if Ohio State wins, it's like, okay, we're kind of we're, we're back in a 10-year in a war scenario. It's going to go back and forth. Boy, these teams are, are, are evenly matched. They're two of the four or five best programs in college football. How cool is this? It's just a grinded out rivalry where no one knows what's going to happen year to year. And that's what you would take into the future. Instead... I mean, imagine where we're going to be a year from now. 
in Ohio Stadium, can Ohio State avoid a four-game losing streak? If you think about it, I wrote it down, the history of this rivalry. This is the first three-game losing streak for Ohio State since 1995 to 97. They also lost uh, four in a row from 88 to 91. So we're talking Cooper era. So, okay, the Cooper era kind of stands alone. Previous to that, the last time they lost three in a row were well, the last three years of Woody, 76 to 78. Previous to the last three years of Woody, which is like a little bit of, you know, a slight decline of a legend maybe, right? Mm-hmm. They hadn't lost as many as three in a row to Michigan since 1945 to 48, which ushered in. So between, they, they, they won in 44. Between 45 and 48, they lost four straight. Then they tied. Then they lost two more. So they went seven years without beating Michigan, and that's how we got Woody Hayes because right. Ohio State wasn't beat Michigan. So, like, this is – you are approaching from an Ohio State perspective, like, holy moly. And I think, I think this program will bear that burden in a – much more significant way than they did for this 365 days because you still, as much as Michigan beat Ohio State last year, you still could say, man, if Ohio State didn't give up those big plays. I don't even think Michigan played that great today. How do you think Michigan played? They, they played okay. They they rose to the occasion, I think, a little more. As well. they, they met the, the, There are moments they, they met more of them, I think, than Ohio State did, right? But I didn't think they were great, like, down. I don't think Michigan exerted its will. On Ohio State, maybe until the final drive yes. when they ate seven minutes off the clock. Yeah, that that was like okay, we're we're back in it because that was, you know, it's a little different, right? It wasn't it wasn't quite what it was in twenty twenty one. This was like three yards, four yards, first down. Like we're just we're just turning it out here. But I'm sure a lot of people felt similarly, right? I don't think it really matters what the yards per carry was. All you saw was that your defense either they could have stopped and Michigan was running the ball and you couldn't do it. So that that felt like peak Michigan, I think, over this three-year three year stretch, which is frustrating because Michigan, I don't think, had really shown itself to be that kind of team this year. I know they ran the ball a bunch of times in succession against Penn State, but I don't. that wasn't like – that was like we know Drew Aller stinks, we can play defense and win this game. Um, this was Michigan doing something that I think was a little uncertain whether or not they could do against Ohio State, and then they did it when it mattered most, and they made Ohio State try to do it with one minute left when – you know, there were ample opportunities to get off the field earlier. So there's two particular points I want to make about that final drive. But Michigan, grade Michigan's performance today. Like a B plus, maybe? That's what I would say. Yeah. Like, I didn't think it was – I didn't think it was an A. I didn't think it was like, well, man, Michigan looks like the best team in the country. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Ohio State did everything it could. I, I didn't think it was that. No. So that final drive – we have been having discussions a lot, of, and it, it turns into exactly that. I mean, le- legitimately, it's the exact scenario I kept presenting. A seven-minute field goal drive, which is what that was exactly. Michigan took over with 8.05. They kicked the field goal with 105. It's exactly seven minutes. Is a seven-minute field goal drive, is that better for Ohio- – if Michigan does that, is that better for Michigan or is that better for Ohio State? Because if you're Ohio State, well, you didn't give up a touchdown. You made them work, right? You held them to three. But if you're Michigan, you ate up a bunch of clock. And I think I asked people that in the press box today. Who who gets the edge there? In that scenario, it's obviously Michigan. Yeah. But two things are at play there. One is, even if Jim Knowles never wanted to say it, to a large degree, this Ohio State defense was a bend-don't-break defense because it broke. 
the dam broke against Michigan last year. So you had to bend, bend, bend. And this time they bent. They didn't ever break because they got the third down stop that you mentioned. But they bent so far that the offense didn't get the ball back with 330. They got the ball back with 105. Right. That was that was too far. They bent too far. They too needed much. stops before that, right? They really did. Yeah, and I and I wonder, I guess Jim Knowles will not speak post-game, right? But you know, we've talked with him all year about the his thought process as he's kind of evolved as a coordinator, been a little less aggressive, been okay to give up some of that stuff. Like, what was the internal conversation when that was happening? And he's trying to figure out, do I need to put all 11 guys up in the line of scrimmage to shut this run down? And if I do, like, are they going to pop one like they pop one at the end of the game last year? Like, I, I'm not saying that's an easy um, decision to make if, if I'm Jim Knowles. Um, and I actually think, like, the defensive line wasn't actually, wasn't all that bad on that drive. Like, they're, Michigan had a lot of two-yard runs in this game. Um, and even on that drive had a couple of them. But guys were able to get to the second level just enough. And there were a lot of missed tackles, too, I think. More, more missed tackles than you can afford to make in a game like this. And who's the best guard in college football? Uh, probably Zach Center, yeah. Who suffered a serious injury and was out of the game before yeah. that final drive. Yep. So Michigan went on a seven-minute march to pin Ohio State against the wall without their best offensive lineman. Yeah. They shuffle guys around. They kick their right tackle to right guard and brought in a new right tackle and then – Around the ball for seven minutes. And part of that is because in Jim Jim Harbaugh said it before the season, people they thought they had seven NFL offensive linemen. And so another one of them was hurt today. So they had two of them hurt, and they still had five guys they could put out there that they believed in the and and put the game away. And the difference again, I mean, the difference of of one minute versus three minutes is gigantic there. And that it came down to that. That you know, high state gets credit for holding Michigan to a field goal because if it's a touchdown there, the game's over. So the game's not over, but it's almost over. And it was, I think, like an encapsulation of what Michigan is and what Ohio State has been this year. And I think this can lead us a little bit to a Jim Knowles defensive conversation. Yep. He really – I so I went back and looked at all the blitz numbers on PFF this year. In the end, coming into this game, Ohio State had blitzed on 30% of dropbacks last year coming into the Michigan game was 31% of dropbacks. So it wasn't that much different, but Ohio state, when they did blitz were they were holding opponents to less than 40% completions last year it was 60% completions this year. They only gave up two passing touchdowns against the blitz coming into this game. A year ago, they gave up nine passing touchdowns against the blitz coming into the Michigan game. And then they gave up two more in the Michigan game. So I do think, right, the overall numbers weren't quite as stark as maybe I thought they would be, but they were just, they had a much better handle, I think, on when and how to blitz. It wasn't so all out. And a year ago, they blitzed J.J. McCarthy seven times. He was two of seven against the blitz. And the two were the Cornelius Johnson touchdown on the missed tackle and the Colston Loveland touchdown when they blew the coverage. Yeah. Okay. And you can go back and watch the plays. You can see them bringing pressure. Multiple times today, Ohio State in some critical situations showed blitz, backed off. They had a critical third down late where they put six DBs in the game, and then they had Sonny Styles sneaking about the lines. Like, okay, they're going to bring Sonny. It won't even be a blitz. He'll just be a fourth rusher. They only rushed three. Like they that really, was a touchdown, wasn't it? That was when that Blake, the touchdown play. Carter was out there. Okay. Yeah. And, and they and there were times like Mike Hall did a really good job. They still got some pressure at times, but they I think they very purposefully were not overly aggressive and yeah. they made Michigan earn it. 
And Michigan, I think, only wound up like two of 10 or two of nine on third down, but they then convert. Three for 12 is what they finished. Yep. I know they were one of nine, I think, at one point. They finished three for 12 on third down, but they're three of three on fourth down. Yes. So that's a huge thing. I don't think I would go back and say, well, I guess they should have been more aggressive because I do think J.J. McCarthy just made just enough plays. What did you think of how the Ohio State defense played today? I mean, I, I was pretty okay with what they were doing up until that last drive. Like, I, I thought the defensive line had actually played quite well up, in, up until that point. Maybe you wanted to see a little more from, from JT Tuimolowal and Jack Sawyer against those tackles of Michigan. But, but I, thought, I thought Ohio State was controlling the line of scrimmage, honestly, for, for a stretch on both sides of the, of the second half. But, but on the defensive side, I think for, for a large, large chunk of this game, right until the very end. So I don't want to dismiss all of that and say that, that the defense was bad because I gave up that one drive late. Um, you know, I, I question some personnel stuff, right? Did you need to play with the three linebackers out there as much as they did? Like, I, I think doing that leaves you susceptible to some passing stuff that I thought Michigan got into. Um, I thought putting Malik Hartford, a true freshman who's not played a lot of high leverage snaps in a big spot in a dime package when Michigan's trying to score a touchdown and then they end up throwing it kind of like basically right by his head to score. Like I didn't, I didn't love that either, but um, the defense, I think, you know, for the most part held its own. And I think gave Ohio state's offense enough opportunities to try to come back and take a lead that Ohio state's offense ultimately couldn't come away with, but Michigan scored a lot too, right? This was, this were, these were the top two stop rate defenses in the country and Michigan scored on one, two, three, four, five, six, six of nine possessions. Basically the last one doesn't count because they kneeled out the half. So that's not good enough. You can't you can't allow a team to score that many times, even if it's even if some of it's field goals. Yeah, two punts. Both teams start the, the the game punting on their first two possessions, and then Michigan only punts once more the rest of the game. So Michigan's drives are punt, punt, touchdown, touchdown, punt, field goal, touchdown, field goal, field goal, and then the kneel out at the end. Yeah, and the, uh, last, the last field goal almost feels like a touchdown because of the seven right. minutes. Yeah. Seven minutes. Uh, and they, I mean, they did a seven minute drive, uh, a 14 play, 75 yards, six minute and 51 second drive. Those are two. I, I mean, again, like it's one of those things you don't want to get up plays. You want to make Michigan earn it. And then Michigan earned it. Yeah, like they, they really did with yeah. some of those fourth down conversions and some of like, even like the J, you know, JJ scrambled a little bit at times. Some of the throws to Colston Loveland that like you were all over that as a tight end, that was going to be a potentially problematic yeah. situation for Ohio State. So, again, I don't think it was an A-plus or an A-game for Michigan, but offensively, they weren't incredibly dynamic. They're not explosive, but they have been a machine at times, and they weren't a machine the whole day, but they were enough when it mattered. I, I Yeah, I think they won the situations, right? If, you're, if, you, if you can give them like another 3 of 12 on third down, but if they get three fourth down conversions, then you kind of consider them 6 of 12 on third down, right. like 50% on third down is pretty good. In a game like this, Ohio State offense was only four of nine on third down. Michigan was good in the red zone. They didn't blink Michigan either, I don't, I don't think. I know they kicked a 150-yard field goal. But it was like fourth and short, and there's a decision to make sure Moore knew what he was doing. Yep. So like I, like I he handled those situations better than Ryan Day, I think. Now, Ryan Day's first one was you know, negative uh, side of the 50, right? And they were on the plus side of the 50, Michigan was. So I, I get that's a little bit different calculus. But I thought there were you know, a handful of times that each guy wearing the head coaches had had to make quick, decisive decisions um, that kind of swung momentum a little bit and Sharon Moore won one more of those than Ryan Day did. I, I think it's worth talking about. I think it might have been the only snap that Malik Hartford played. 
I think that's right. And again, this is a true freshman. I mean, what are you doing? It's like you can't. It's like, oh, the true freshman in the Michigan game. But they bring in six DBs on third and ten. I think it was right. And Denzel Burke winds up in coverage on Roman Wilson, and it's a little bit like the motion when Cornelius Johnson got deep against Cam Martinez last year, where it's that kind of motion that like Tyree Kill does all the time, where the guy. He's motioning in that he is hitting the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And he is really going forward almost like right at the snap. So they hit that motion. Denzel Burke is kind of chasing Roman Wilson across the field, but he's kind of staying with him. But Malik Hartford is in the game as a 6 DB. And where he's sitting, he's looking right at J.J. McCarthy. If you guys go back and watch the replay, maybe you saw it in real time. He's looking at J.J. McCarthy. And then right as J.J. McCarthy starts to throw, Malik Hartford turns his head and sees that Roman Wilson is coming and then turns – and wants to run with Roman Wilson a little bit. And if he had continued looking at J.J. McCarthy, I think he would have picked it off because J.J. McCarthy was going to throw it right at him. But as soon as he turned his body, he didn't, like, get in front of Wilson. He ended up sort of running next to him, and and McCarthy was able to thread it between Burke and Hartford. And it's just one of those things where, you know, if if Ohio State's at full, full, full strength, Malik Hartford's not on the field because – they're playing Josh Proctor and Sonny Styles and and Lathan Ransom and and Jordan Hancock and Davis McDose and Denzel Burke. Those are their six DBs. You wind up with a true freshman there. I'm a little surprised. Maybe that it's not Jahard Carter, a veteran who we saw play some a little bit the last couple weeks. I think he might have. They put him out there. I think in a goal line situation, maybe when they went a little bigger. But yeah, he did not play a ton. So, like it was, um, it's. Like one of those plays, if you go back and look at it, if he it almost reminded me a little bit of in a very different way, but in like the the if you if someone would have waited a tenth of a second more to turn their head or turn their body, it reminded me of the Justin Fields Chris Olave play at the, yeah. the end of the Clemson game in 2019, where it's like you're kind of like, okay, I'm waiting for this thing to happen. Oh no, wait, I'm gonna do something else, which isn't wrong. Right, you're you're relying on your instincts. I don't think Malik Hartford was wrong there, but it's like, oh man, if he had waited two tenths of a second, that whole play might have been different. Yeah, and I think you start thinking about like points previous in the season, right? Where did like did Malik Hartford have enough banked reps to to yeah. respond to that moment correctly? Right. I, I I don't know. I'm not. I don't want to like clamor for young guys to play, and then when they put them in a spot, say it was the wrong decision. But but I think the reason we want to see them play more throughout the course of the season when the opportunities present themselves is that so when you put them in this game or you're forced to put them in a game like this, they respond correctly. And, and maybe, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting that play squarely on Malik Hartford. It was a great throw from JJ, but um, it was a young guy in an unfamiliar spot who kind of got beat. I, th- I think it's like bad luck more than anything else. Like yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not even saying he did anything wrong there. It's just like, Oh my gosh, yeah. like it's that close to being something. And then again, I don't, you know, for everyone watching, on YouTube and listening on our podcast channel. And, and we appreciate that you guys uh, who are, are very angry and disappointed are, are here with us for this. Um, I don't, I don't even know what I was going to say. What was I saying? You were talking about Lake Hartford and uh, bad luck. Yeah. So I don't even like it. I think you chalk it up. There's some portion of that that is just like bad luck in the moment, but um, like, that's what happens in this game sometimes, right? And yeah. I do think – I thought J.J. – I think the discussion around J.J. McCarthy all year was, does J, is J.J. McCarthy elevating individually and is he elevating this team? And he certainly did not go out and, like, look like a, 
a Heisman Trophy winner today. But I thought he made enough handful of plays, couple with his arm, you know, the, the touchdown in particular. Oh, I think the thing I was going to say is, was that a touchdown? Was it an interception? And again, again I know that, that Joel Clapp, yeah, like, right. I, I thought from watching the replay, because we're watching it, you know, on, on YouTube TV as we're watching it live, I did think it was understandable that they didn't overrule it. I'll be very curious how that is viewed down the line. I think it's similar to the Fleming play that was right. That both times Fleming's fumble is an incompletion. No, it is a fumble. The ruling stands. Is that a touchdown or an interception or an incompletion? No, the ruling stands. Both times the ruling stood. I would have understood if either were reversed, but I thought they were both close enough that to go with what was ruled on the field made sense. Yeah, I, I think I lean a little more interception there. I, I thought the ball was moving the whole time. I never thought the receiver had full possession of it. And then when they went to the ground, it was Denzel Burke who had the ball. It felt to me like the 2019 Clemson play, like the pick six that got taken off the board mm. because it was, you know, it was the decision directly impacted the scoreboard, right? In that case, it would have been seven points for Ohio State. In this case, it would have been seven points that Michigan wouldn't have had. And like that's that's a big swing. I did did seem like the, the defense was pretty deflated in that particular moment. Because they all thought that Denzel got it right. Yep. Um, and they bounced back from it well. Like that, I thought that could have been a play that like where things really unraveled on them, and that didn't happen. But maybe it just kind of compounds the bad luck we're talking about on a play like that. They also had a play where Quorum ran it on fourth and one. Ohio State think I think Ohio State thought they stopped them on fourth and one, and yes, then they reviewed that and kept it. But Ohio yeah. State was like motioning, "No, it's our ball the other way." Yeah. During that timeout, so there's a couple tight ones that went against them. Um, but I do think J.J. McCarthy, in the end, like he made the big – I felt like last year it was sort of like he did some things, but it was Ohio State mistakes that allowed him to do the things. I thought today he just did them. I thought he maybe made four or five quite good plays yeah. that mattered. With his arm on his legs. Yeah not, yeah. not not merely throws. Yeah. So let's get to Kyle McCord. And so how how long have we been going, Landis? We're at 50 minutes. 50 minutes. And we haven't talked about this yet. There's a lot to talk about. Um, it goes into history books. Kyle McCord and J.J. McCarthy are linked. They were in the same recruiting class. Ohio State chose Kyle McCord over J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy, we've made comparisons of, of Kyle McCord this year to J.J. McCarthy last year because it's not really about how old you are. It's how much starting experience you have. And so to directly compare McCord and McCarthy like right now, and one's a two-year starter, one's a first-year starter, I don't think it's the exact right comparison. Although by the end of the year, McCord's been around. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people believed with our tech subscribers, and I'm not going to get the tech subscriber ad. I mean, you know, we're not trying to sell stuff on a post game like this. Um, we talked about what was the biggest worry for Ohio State coming into this game. And Austin and Berm and Bill and I, we all made our picks for that. And my biggest worry was Kyle McCord making mistakes against this, what I thought was a pretty good Michigan secondary. And I'll throw in another caveat here. Penn State game, Penn State loses its best defensive player, Chop Robinson, edge rusher, pretty early in that game. That's a break for Ohio State. This game, Will Johnson, former five-star recruit, really good cornerback, is following Marvin Harrison Jr., that had not happened since the Penn State game when Kalen King, their best corner, followed Marvin Harrison Jr. all over the field pretty much every snap. He's the guy who had the pick, which we're going to get to. Will Johnson gets hurt, is not in the game late. 
when Michigan, when Ohio State's down two scores and driving, needing to score that touchdown drive that ends with a Marvin Harrison touchdown oh, is good. against a Michigan secondary that is missing one of the best corners in college football. That's another yeah. break for Ohio State. On that play in particular, we ended up with like Junior Colson, the linebacker, was like the closest defender to, to Marvin. So yeah, there were there were opportunities to exploit against Michigan secondary, which I actually thought Ohio State did an okay job of until the unfortunate last play. Yeah. So I mean, but that world where Mich- Michigan lost its best offensive lineman and its best cornerback today. Last year they played without their best running back. Like there are just like as much as Ohio State missed Trayvon Henderson and Jackson Smith and Jigba and right. I mean injuries are part of the game, but like Michigan has not been full Michigan for these games, and they're still winning. Kyle McCord versus JJ McCarthy. My worry that I listed for Ohio State was Kyle McCord making mistakes against the secondary, and that bore out. And yeah. I don't know. I don't think. I would imagine Ohio State fans were like not in panic mode. We're not in like, oh, my, I can't, like, there's no way. But you, you thir- certainly thought it was possible with the way McCord had played this year. You thought it was possible that there'd be a play or two that would be huge. I think I was maybe at like a 30% chance that a really big mistake by the Ohio State quarterback could factor into this game. And then it happened. The first interception. Well, I mean, I, I'm not even. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even include the last one in in what you're talking about. The first one, it's inexcusable. There, I, I think they're running a play action pass there. I, I don't think it's an RPO based off how some of the offensive linemen moved on that play. But Will Johnson, right? Will, Will Johnson, Johnson. Yep. is playing with inside leverage before the snap. Already, the in breaking route from Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably dead. Um, and then after the snap, Will Johnson gains even more inside leverage, and Marvin is still running a slot or slant. Kyle was still staring him down. The throw was never there, and he forced it there, and he threw a brutal pick that gave Michigan the ball on the seven-yard line, and Michigan ended up scoring its first touchdown of the game off of that. It was, I, I think, his worst decision of the year, right? The other one probably is the, the Wisconsin one that, that pick that he threw yep. in that game. But that I, I had thought maybe he had progressed past making some decisions like that. and. I guess he hasn't because that was a really, really bad decision. And I think so. There had been a play on, I think, the previous drive where Marvin was open and Kyle just missed Missed him through right behind him. And then, like, Marvin, so Ohio State punted on his first two drives and, like, Marvin wasn't super involved. And it felt like Kyle just decided pre snap, I got to get the ball to Marv. And then, like, nothing else mattered and just threw it. Yeah. And and like that decision making process. And again, like it's the Ohio State Michigan game. This is the stage that these guys are talented enough to be on. And they also choose this. And so, like, you can't beat around the bush on something like that. It is a devastating play. And they wind up, they almost get a goal line stand. Close. They force yeah. Michigan to get it on fourth down. They almost get a goal line stand. But to give up a seven yard touchdown drive. In a game like this, I think a lot of people, maybe you watching this, said it to yourself. Someone said it to me in the press box before the game. This game is going to come down to which quarterback makes the biggest or first mistake. And then it was like, what did J.J. McCarthy, what was the biggest mistake that J.J. McCarthy made in this game? Yeah, it, it I didn't feel like what I don't remember. A I, play thought, he, that I was thought like, he made a couple of questionable throws, but he, he got away with them, right? So, yeah. So you don't criticize them too much. Yeah, I don't know. There was like, I, I think the the negative plays that Michigan got itself into were more like scheme. They had like a weird 
like third down screen that was kind of an odd odd decision. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. JJ certainly to make a backbreaking bad decision, and really, I don't, I can't recall him putting a ball like in, in harm's way where Ohio State missed an opportunity like for an interception or something. Right? I don't, yeah, I don't think that happened. No, I, it doesn't feel like oh, like that was a pick that like hit um, the, the jihad or the Josh Proctor play maybe where like it felt like Josh Proctor was like kind of sitting in the throw window but didn't quite get over there and JJ tried to rip it anyway and um ended up ended up being a completion I think but I, I think had Josh Proctor played that slightly better maybe maybe that could have been what we're talking about but yeah he was he was pretty clean JJ was and so that idea um I mean that you're never gonna like that's that's in the history books, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're never gonna forget that pick and what it meant in the game. And then even I mean, it's like you have a chance then for the Ohio State offense, for Common Court, for Ryan Day, for everybody to have a chance at redemption at the end. And even of course acknowledging that that hit, and it's like, well, like there there was an opportunity, just like he did with the Marvin Deep Ball. There was an opportunity to like maybe step up. Right, step up in the pocket. Yes, pressure's coming. This isn't off an offensive line that's going to keep you 100% clean every single snap, yeah. especially when Michigan knows that you're throwing. You've got to know that pressure's coming. Your clock's got to speed up. You've got to get the ball out. There's not op- like you know that. And there's an opportunity. It's one of those things. It's like it's, it's very difficult because Ryan Day knows it. Kyle McCord knows it, right? Especially like an, an, an amateur athlete. Kyle McCord's going to live with this for the rest of his life. But in that situation, you have a chance to go be legendary. Yeah. But And it's not even like a chance to go be legendary. It's that you must. Because there's no choice. Right? It's not like be, be a legend or be okay. Like it's like get it done and be a legend. Or there's a back-breaking mistake that helped change the momentum of the game. It's a, That sets up a touchdown. It's less than a touchdown game. Like once Ohio State and McCord got into that situation, and you have to give Ohio State and McCord and Ryan Day and everybody credit for the touchdown drive before it. It kept them alive. That was a yeah. great drive, was it not? It was. It was a great drive. That was. Was that the? No, that wasn't. Was that the man ball drive? Was that the we're going to run it nine times on 12, yeah. 12 plays, run it on eight plays in a row? Um, yeah. That, no, they, the Ohio State had some really good drives in, in this game, and also too, talk about guys making plays. Like after was it after Michigan? Um, came out and scored and Ohio State ended up having a quick three and out. But yeah. one of those plays was, I thought, a really good throw down the seam to Omeka Ibuka where Quentin Johnson, the Michigan safety, just made a better play. Like came from a pretty long distance closed with with speed and timed it up perfectly and just kind of laid out Omeka before Omeka could, could uh, reel the pass in. So like that was a good throw. I thought it was a good call and a good throw and like the guy from Michigan made a play, right? So yeah. were, it wasn't like Ohio State – Ohio State wasn't like spinning its wheels trying to figure out what was going to work against Michigan. Probably could have run the ball a little more, but but I, I think they had pass plays that were effective against them. It's just that they had, you know, situational blunders and that brutal, brutal turnover. And so there is something I want we want to talk about the Ohio State run game in a little bit, but it, but Kyle McCord, you're either going to be a legend or be remembered for the pick. And the opportunity was there. It felt like it maybe was going to happen. I mean, not to, I mean, you don't have to be reminded of it. But imagine if we're sitting here 31-30, Kyle McCord leaves a game, leads a game-winning touchdown drive in the final minute. It's one of, is it the greatest ending for Ohio State? 
in the history of the game, when we talked about everything this game meant coming in, it would be up there with Curtis Samuel in double overtime in 16. Maybe, maybe, maybe not quite eclipsing that. Although, I don't know, to do it up here, maybe maybe it would have been better. Yeah, yeah. and what it would have meant for Ohio State, keep national championships a lot, hopes alive, get in the playoff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they got in the playoff that year too, but they're never going to win. All right, we have some Ryan Day. Mike, is that right? Thumbs up from Mike Yurostowski. We're going to take a very quick break. Catch your breath for 20 seconds. And when we come back, you will hear a little bit from Ryan Day in his post-game news conference. All right, we're back. We're getting that clip ready. We appreciate your patience, and we also appreciate everybody at Michigan Stadium who's letting us do this post-game show. We know people have uh, cookies to clear out, so we're very grateful that we got to do this and be here live with you guys right after this game. Um, this is uh, this is going to be tough for Ryan Day, and you know what? Let's let's talk about like what's it? The empty whale in the room? No, the elephant. The, the elephant. elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, so there was a report on the Fox pregame show that. Bruce Feldman said if Ohio State lost this game, there was a belief that Ryan Day would potentially at least listen to Texas A&M about Texas A&M's opening. And then um, Urban, yeah, we'll Meyer, in Urban Meyer came on that show and said, um, you're crazy, right? And then Pete Thamel from ESPN had another report that it looks like Mark Stoops from Kentucky is a leading candidate at Texas A&M. This is going to be a discussion point. I don't think it is a realistic discussion point when it comes to firing Ryan Day because he has lost three straight to Michigan, when he has the kind of record that he's had, when he's made the playoff three times. I just don't think that that's like a realistic, relevant discussion. Does it excuse losing to Michigan three times in a row? No. But not every time you do something wrong does it mean that you should be fired. There, I do think, is a very real thing where a job like this can become untenable, can become miserable, can become not fun. Like the pressure on me because my team lost, you earn the pressure. He's not a victim, but it's real. And then what it does to you, what it does to your family, like, I don't know, is this is this what I want to do? I don't think either side is there. I don't, I think the Texas A&M thing is just chatter that like, you know, there's coach chatter. So that is not at all, 
my point here that oh Ryan is gonna leave, but this is gonna be rough, man. Yeah. We're we're gonna get rooted out of here in a second. Yeah. Um I think you're right. That's that's a that's a lengthy conversation that we need to have, I think, about like where this is going. Yeah. Because I think you're right. Like, is is it worth spending a whole lot of time on something that we don't think is gonna happen? Because why I say it's not gonna fire him? Fair, maybe. We should talk about it because this program has goals and they're not achieving them and they haven't right. done it for three years in a row. So, like, what does that mean? I don't I, – I, if I'm an Ohio State fan, I don't care about the 56 all that much. I care – what is it? It's, it's eight now? The losses? That's what I care about. Yeah. All right. Is the clip ready or no? Yeah. All right. Let's go to uh, about a two-and-a-half-minute clip of Ryan, Gay, Ryan Day from the postgame. What were you looking for there? Cal got hit. It looked like it threw the ball. Yeah, they were in his own coverage. And, uh, you know, we needed a touchdown there, I think, you know, right inside of 30 seconds. And, um, you know, they were in a deep coverage there. So, um, you know, I'm not sure even if he had gotten hit, you know, what would have happened there. But, um, you know, you know it, it looked like he got hit. And then, and then um, you yeah, know, they made a nice play. Yeah. What's, what's the feeling you got to fit your stomach right now? Uh, hard to describe. Yeah. Um, you know, just sick. The fact that you know, uh, you know we came up short in this game, we worked the whole whole year for it, and um, we came up short. So, um, yeah. Right next door, Larry Lage, AP. Can you explain your thinking early on, uh, not going up for it on fourth down, and at the end of the first half, um, not trying to pick up the first <laughs> down, um, you know, before the clock ran down. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I felt like. At 52 yards, uh, it was worth the field goal there. If you if you don't get it on the I mean, like fourth and two, fourth and three, somewhere in there, uh, you had no points. And you know, I felt like it was it was worth the opportunity to keep the field goal at least. If we come up short there, then this girl went down. So I felt like that was the right move. And then early in the game, around midfield, uh, just don't want to give them any momentum. I felt like we could pin them down and play defense. I thought we were playing pretty good early on. Well, we're doing right, Austin Ward, the podcast. Looks like you went out to get more of an explanation on the Denzel play in front of Wilson. Did you, did you ever get one? What What did they explain to you? Yeah, I, I was told that um, it was called on the field, a touchdown, and because of that, um, uh, you know, it, was, it was upheld. Um, yeah, I didn't quite understand exactly how that was, but, uh, but that's what they said. Uh, Joey Kaufman, Columbus Dispatch. Fine. Machine had the ball for the final eight minutes of the game. What, what was the- Looking back on the set sequence, what was, what was the issue getting off the field there? Yeah, just uh, they, they um, did a nice job around the ball, and you know, we ended up hanging on at the end, giving, giving our offense a chance to win, but uh, too much time off the clock there. You know, we got to get a stop and get off the field. Clay Haldo, SYX. How would you rate Kyle's performance? I mean, 18 to 30, almost 300 yards. The decision making, I mean, how do you feel? Yeah, in, in this game, you got to win the rushing yards and you got to win the turnover battle. We did neither of those things. So, uh, you yeah. know. If we're not, that's not going to happen. We're not going to win this game. Uh, Dan, did you have your Dan Wesley Yahoo? Okay, uh, I thought I thought if that's the answer to why they didn't do more at the end of the first half, I thought I thought they let them off easy. I thought yeah. th- there's more you got to get there. Um, so that will be well, that will be followed up on the next time we get to t- talk to Ryan Day again as we uh, are preparing to potentially be booted out here. Uh, although we appreciate. Um, Everybody at Michigan letting us do this. The run game, you and I talked about this a lot. The Ohio State run the game, the way it worked with Trayvon Henderson is like you get three, you get three, you get three, but it's in service. They hope of breaking a 30, 40, 50, 60 yarder at some point. I thought in the second half you could feel, sometimes you can see when Trey hits the acceleration button on a run that he gets through the first part and it's like, okay, boom. 
And he did that a couple times on some five and six yard runs, but then he got tackled by the linebacker every time. They never got the payoff. But it's hard sometimes when you're Ohio State of like, man, why are they why do they keep trying these three and four yard runs? Because that's how they got to the 60 yard run against Notre Dame. That's right. how they got to the 30 yard touchdown against Wisconsin. And if they had gotten there, they might have won this game. And they just never got there. But I still thought in the second half. There would oh, there's a chance they would. It felt like it, right? We talked. You were talking about him kind of hitting that acceleration once he gets through that initial that initial line, and, and he was there a few times, and it just never quite got out. They ended up with one rush of more than ten yards in this game. It was Chip Trainum who got it for twelve yards. It was on that drive where they ran the ball incredibly well and then scored a touchdown. So like, it's not that they ran the ball poorly in this game. They ended up averaging three point eight yards per carry. There were a lot of threes in there. Probably if you go back go back and look at it, they didn't have a bunch of tackles for loss. I think only two of Ohio State's runs got stopped in the backfield. They ended up with nine that went for two yards or fewer, and that's probably too many in a game like this. Although Michigan had nineteen of them, so Michigan lived, uh, you know, to, to to tell about that. But yeah, I thought that there was going to be a hit in this game for Travion Henderson, and it's not that I thought he played poorly. I, you know, I, I thought he, you know, did what did what he had to do for the most part, but um, it never it never quite came. And uh, yeah, it felt like something that maybe would have would have flipped things for Ohio State had it had it happened. So we're going to get out of here. Um, again, we think we're going to get booted soon. Blake Corn from Michigan winds up 22 carries for 88. Trayvon Henderson, 19 carries for 60. And just no run of more, no longer run than eight yards for Trayvon Henderson. When we were picking stars with our tech subscriber, who might be the Ohio State star? Marvin Harrison Jr. was a choice. Sonny Styles was a choice. I picked Jordan Hancock. But the overwhelming vote, was Travion Henderson. A lot of people thought yeah. what Travion and the run game had done in the last month was going to really pay dividends today. I do think Michigan turns out to be a pretty darn good defensive team. I yeah. think they get a lot of credit for that. But also, again, this was not an offensive line that was like blowing open gigantic holes today. They were kind of trying to grind it out. And that's really not what the Ohio State run game is about. It's not about grinding it out. It's about grinding until you explode and they never explode. Yeah, and I think, too, like Travion did hurt his ankle, I think, yep. at some point in this game. Whether or not that affected him or how much, we're, we're not sure, but that probably is worth mentioning as we have this discussion. Okay, so we have a lot of responses from our tech subscribers. We like to, to incorporate them into shows. We're going to come back. I don't know. We could even do it tomorrow. We will have a show with reaction from Ohio State fans. Yes. Through our tech subscribers. We will take that in. We will bring it back to you. Maybe it's on Sunday. Maybe it's on Monday. We have to do it. This is not over. It is just the beginning of this. And we right now are not going to go into detail about Ohio State's playoff chances because there's things that are going to have to happen probably in conference championship games with Oregon, Washington, with Florida State, with Texas, with the SEC. And so it's not impossible, but I don't think that's where anybody's heads are right now. Austin and Berm have snapped judgments post game. If you want to get their thoughts, you can do that on our podcast feed or on our YouTube channel for the podcast. For now, um, we really appreciate you guys riding with us this entire season. We're not going anywhere. The Ohio State football talk continues year round. And uh, that's especially true the week after uh, a loss to Michigan. So we want to thank Mike Yorstowski, our producer who is live with us, went down and got that Ryan Day clip for us. We want to thank Michigan for letting us hang out for a good hour and 11 minutes here. And, uh, Bill, it's it's been really fun doing these live postgame shows all yeah. year. And um, there's a lot to talk about still with this team. Yeah, we're like you said, we're not going anywhere. You might not want to have the conversations. We get that it's that it's raw, but there's a lot to get into that we need to discuss. So, yeah, we'll keep doing it. No, because like we've got all sort through this together yeah. to figure out – 
what it means, how it can get better, what the ramifications are. And, uh, and there might be some. There might be some. So we will continue that conversation for now. Thanks to you guys so much for listening, for watching, for letting us be a part of your Ohio State fandom from Michigan Stadium. Michigan defeats Ohio State 30-24. to He's Bill Landis. I'm Doug Maurice, And that was the postgame show on the podcast.